0: The first major scientific collecting crews of marine life in the diverse Sea of Cortez was organized by Ed Ricketts and John Steinbeck in 1940. Their explorations and scientific discoveries were published in the Log from the Sea of Cortez, which was written by both of them, but is generally ascribed solely to Steinbeck. Their vessel was a chartered purse seiner called the Western Flyer. During their expedition, Steinbeck and Ricketts and the rest of their crew made most of their collections at low tides. With their bent-over posture and slow, head-scanning movements, they would inevitably draw questions from the locals. What did you lose? Nothing. Then what do you search for? This line has always made me laugh, not least because I've been asked this question or something close to it many times in my 40-year career of exploring the ocean— And the truth is, I've asked it of myself more than a few times. Encounters with bioluminescence at scale can make that question seem quaint. The open ocean is a fantastically strange and wonderful place. In this world without apparent hiding places, the game of hide-and-seek is played out on a daily basis with life-and-death consequences. One successful survival strategy is to hide in the depths during the day Below what we call the edge of darkness, and come up only to feed in food rich waters at night, as the edge of darkness makes its way toward the surface. This is such a common solution to the problem of no hiding places that it is responsible for the most massive animal migration pattern on our planet. Vertical migration happens every day in every ocean, and the masses of ascending animals form a layer so dense that more than one ship's captain scanning with sonar at sunset, has been fooled into believing they were about to run aground. Because so many of the ocean's inhabitants have adopted this survival strategy, these migrants spend most of their lives in near darkness. To compensate, almost all of them make their own light. Drag a net behind a ship almost anywhere in the ocean below the edge of darkness, and most of the animals you bring up in that net will make light. Given the volume of the open ocean and the vast, watery realm between the ocean's surface and its bottom, which constitutes the largest ecosystem on the planet, we're talking about a world teeming with lightmakers. To put this in perspective, if most of the animals in the ocean are bioluminescent, from single-celled bacteria to colossal squid, then a majority of the creatures on the planet are communicating using language-of-light dialects that we don't comprehend. Bioluminescence's power to captivate is evident in the descriptions of anyone so fortunate as to experience it firsthand. The adjective heard most often is magical. The pure magic of living light harkens back to childhood fantasies of secret grottos, wizard's caves, and unicorn haunts— where the mushrooms in fairy rings glow with cold green fire, and a wave of the hand sends multicolored sparks streaming from fingertips. Real-world encounters with such enchantments manifest as children chasing fireflies on warm summer nights, lovers strolling a beach hand-in-hand with the Milky Way overhead, while sprinklings of sea sparkle gild their footprints in the sand, and kayakers on a moonless night creating luminous blue explosions and sprays of liquid light with each dip and arc of their paddles, For these lucky few, bioluminescence is not one of nature's obscure and little-known oddities. It is one of their most precious and lasting memories. That there are even more spectacular light shows in the inky depths of the ocean was little known when I made that first deep dive. There was plenty of scientific evidence of bioluminescence's presence in the form of light meter measurements and net-captured creatures, mostly dead, studded with light organs, but there were very few direct observations, and none that captured anything like the spectacle I witnessed. This was a light extravaganza unlike anything I could have imagined.